Welcome to Relevant Faith Church this morning. My name is Mike Womer. I am the lead pastor here at Relevant Faith, and we are excited that you have joined us this morning. Today is just a wonderful day to worship God and celebrate in, in his presence, and it's an honor for me to introduce. We have a guest speaker today who's really, he's a guest, but not a guest because he's a part of Relevant Faith Church. I've been doing uh, life with him for quite a while now, and he's been letting me for the last little while now, and um, wonderful man of God, and I've walked with him through many, many things in his life over the last uh, couple of years, dedicated his children, um, just walked with him and through some of the darkest and challenging times of his life, and it's, it's, uh, it's going to be awesome to hear him speak the Word of God this morning. When, I, when we launched off in this series called Discover Your Story, and we are going to talk about dreams that God has given us, immediately his name came to my heart and my mind. It was like three months ago. And I told him, I said, I'm going to need you to do this. And, and, and at the time, it was like, oh, okay. But as we got closer and closer, the excitement of what God was giving him was building even in him. And he's excited to, to preach the word to God this morning. So if you'll help me welcome my very good friend, Mr. Ken Godbolt, this morning as he comes and shares what's on his heart this morning. Man, how y'all doing today? Oh, man, that was kind of like, y'all, y'all tired? How y'all doing today? So I'm a little bit unorthodox, so is it okay if I be myself? Yep. All right, cool. So, yeah, and my water dropped. So I kind of want you to strap your seatbelts a little bit today because um, we're going to dig. I'm going to get in your face a little bit, but after I get in your face, I promise you that you'll walk out a little bit build up, all right? So... Probably about a year ago, God began to wake me up every morning. And I would wake up and I would hear this saying for myself, the forgotten people. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm ignoring it. You know, I work at the juvenile detention center, so I'm like, I got a lot of kids I work with that are really forgotten. So I'm th maybe he's talking about my job. And so all of a sudden, every day I just continue to hear this and continue to hear this. And he was like, look, I need you to get up. I need you to follow your dream. I need you to follow your passion. And I want you to go get my youth and my young adults. For the next season of your life, that's all I want you to fix your life on. And I'm like, man, okay, what does that look like? So now, currently, I'm in schools speaking to kids and got some opportunities to go to some colleges and just really uh, talking to them about empowering themselves to be better at life, right? Because when I go to work every day, um, I, have, I get to leave, but there's a bunch of kids that sit in cells and never get an opportunity to know what it's like to have that freedom again. I also got kids that are maybe 14, 15, 16 that'll go away and do 20, 30, maybe 40 years of their life. And so as I'm watching that, I'm like, I got to get on the front lines and begin to fight for that. But here's the deal. I grew up in an environment. My mom was a drug addict. My dad was an alcoholic. I grew up in an environment full, surrounded by drugs. I'm literally the only one in my family that doesn't have a felony on my record. All right. So when God came to get me, I was 17 years old. He reached down in my neighborhood in the projects, pulled me out of my neighborhood, sent me to a private school, right? And so I get to this private school, and there was these Christian people there. Now, I didn't like Christian people. All right. The only time they ever came to our neighborhood is to give us a turkey or to give us stuff. That's the only time we would ever see them. So I get there. And all of a sudden, like, they love God, and it was like, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I'm like, 
yeah, whatever you said. My grandma says that. I know nothing about what you're talking about. So they, they begin to look at me, and I'll never forget. At the time, I'll be honest, I was selling drugs at the time, right? And so instead of me selling drugs, they said, hey, I'm going to give you a job. So they gave me a job working with the kids and so, I had, so that I could make money the honest way. I couldn't eat every day I went to school, so they said, hey, we're also going to pay for your lunch for the rest of the time that you go to school here. So they gave me a job. The job cut my tuition in half, so my uncle didn't have to pay the full price. And then they also provided uh, a job for me so I didn't have to do all the illegal stuff that I was doing. So then finally I went to this lady and I go, hey, I don't understand. I was like, why do y'all help me out so much? And she said, because we see something in you that you can't even see yet. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She was like, you'll see. And so gradually, time came, and I remember sitting in this chapel service, and they started talking about this thing called the love of God. And in that moment, at that time, at 17 years old, as broken as I was, as hurt as I was, all of a sudden, God began to speak to my heart. And so I was saved at the age of 17. I played basketball. I'm like, you know what? My goal is to go overseas and play basketball after I get done out of high school. I'm not going to college. And God's like, scratch that. That's not what you're doing. I want you to go to college. And I was like, cool, I'm going to go to college. But I'm like, you know, he's like, oh, no, by the way, you're going to go to Bible college. I'm like, I can't get away from church people. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> right? So I go to Bible college, and I, I spent some time there, and he gave me the opportunity to play basketball there and things like that. And then all of a sudden, the desire to say, hey, I got this big dream for you. I got these plans for you. So I find myself traveling, speaking at different churches and things like that, and, and life was good, right? No. So in that process, my mom passed away. Six months later, one of my best friends gets murdered. Two months later, my grandma passes away. So all this turmoil began to rip through my life. And I'm like, God, if serving you is going to cause me all this pain, I don't even want to do this because I feel like the closer I get to you, the more pain I get. And I don't want that. But here's this other side of life today, what I really want to help you with. In the midst of everything that we go through, in the midst of every trial that we face, God stands there, and he's guiding us through the process. But here's the catch. God has never changed from day one. The only people that really change is us. Right? So if you think about your life right now, raise your hand in here if you say, man, you got a dream. Like you got a big dream inside of you. Nobody? Holy, what church we at, man? We're not being real relevant today, are we? Man, all right, let's try that again. So raise your hand if you got a dream. Oh, okay, put your hands down. So how come when I asked the first time you didn't have a dream? And then the second time I asked you, like, you got a dream, right? Oh, you was dreaming it? How's that working out for you? Not too good, right? All right, so now raise your hand in here right now if you feel like God has placed a dream inside of your heart. Mm. Now, here's going to be the catch, Pastor Mike. Now I want you to raise your hand if you're actually walking and living in that dream. I'm going to help you all out today, man. Peoria, y'all better watch out. We're about to do some work. Y'all ready to do some work? Man, let's get to it. All right, so today's message, God restores the dream, okay? So number one, when God gives you a dream, right, God's dream for your life and for our lives, it never dies. 
It never dies, okay? So here's what I want you to understand is that when God gave you that dream, no matter your age, no matter your race, no matter your sex, he says, I've put this dream inside of you, and one way or another, you're going to get there. But maybe today you're not where you want to be because you're in a way. You're in the way of living the purpose that God has for you. His dream, it never dies. So here's what I'm telling you. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, no matter what mistakes you've done up until this day, in this moment, in this time, in this service, that dream that God has for you is still alive. So get this, right? Can I be real? At the age of five, I was locked in a room with my mom in an abusive boyfriend. And he attempted to set the room on fire in attempting to kill us. I shouldn't be here. But God's grace. Now, can I be honest with you? The trauma and the pain from that messed me up. But not only that, the day that I came home from the hospital, my own father attempted to kill my mom because he thought my mom was having an abortion. And he didn't want me. So I shouldn't even be standing before you today. Right? And then all of a sudden, God reaches in and he says, hey, let me put this dream inside of you. And when I was nine years old, growing up in a project and seeing everything that I had seen, I'll never forget being nine years old and seeing this vision of a whole bunch of people, me standing on the stage, God putting a key in my hand and closing my hand. So in the midst of every battle, every trial, and every tribulation, he first deposits the dream. So here's what I want you to understand today, is that God's dream and his purpose that he put into your life is still there. So maybe you came in today with a dream and you letting everybody else in the world control you and tell you what you can't be and what you won't do and how you can't accomplish these things. But who are you going to listen to, the people or are you going to listen to God? Right, Because here's what I tell you, right? When I go to these schools and I'm speaking to these kids, I got their undivided attention because I understand their life and I understand a lot of the things that they've gone through. So when I come in, the teachers always say, man, when other speakers come in, they don't, they're not as real and honest with them. I was like, I'm sorry. Like, what do you want me to do? I'm going to give you the truth. And that's what helps people change their lives, right? So, uh, as I started this journey seeking God for the vision, he's like, hey, I want you to spend some time in Proverbs, right? So I've been in Proverbs for probably about four months now, and I haven't been able to get, get out of it. I was, it was crazy because I was talking to one of my friends, and he was like, man, I read the whole Bible this year. He said, what about you? I said, I, I didn't. I was, he's like, where you been at? I said, man, I've been stuck in Proverbs for the past four months. There's some good meat in here. I'm eating pretty good, though, right? And then he was like, but I read the whole Bible. And I told him, I said, but what good is reading the whole Bible and there's no change in your life? I've been reading Proverbs and I'm genuinely seeing my life change. So you want me to read the whole Bible or you want me to stick in Proverbs? He was like, that's good. I was like, no, that's just God, right? He's everywhere. So if you got your Bibles, I want to open up to Proverbs chapter 2. And when you get there, just say, oh, yeah, if you can. Y'all all should be there because it's on your notes, just saying. <laughs> all right, so in this chapter, he's talking about wisdom. So he says, my son, 
if you receive my words and my treasures, up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to the wisdom and inclining your heart and understanding, yes. If you call out for insight and raise your voice and understanding, if you seek, if you seek it like silver, and then he says, if you search for it, for the hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Something that we need to restore in America, right? <laughs> Guarding the path of justice. Something else we need to restore in America. <laughs> and watching over the way of the saints. Then you will understand the righteous and the just. And equity and every good path. He says, for wisdom will come into your heart. And knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. God, when he begins to speak... The first thing he says is, you need wisdom, right? So when you think about wisdom and think about understanding, okay? So one day my cousin called me. He was like, hey, I'm about to start a business. I'm like, okay, that's cool. So before I make any big decisions, I call my grandfather uh, just because he's, he's real. Like, he's an old, real person. So, you know, like, they don't have no filter. So, like, when I want information and I ask him, I know I'm going to get it a little rough around the edges. So I called. I said, hey, man, my cousin asked me to give him this amount of money to help him with the business. And he was like, what you going to do that for? I was like, man, it's a good idea, you know, business. He was like, well, first of all, you know, your cousin ain't honest, and you know your cousin don't follow through with anything, so you're just going to waste your money. And I'm like, yeah, but it sounds like a good idea. He was like, good idea, lose your money. Use your brain, son. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of want my money. <laughs> so in that, I called my grandfather for wisdom and understanding. In the same sense, when God gives us a dream, it's not just about a dream, but it's about being wise when it comes to the dream and the vision that he has for you. Right? There's a lot of people out that are doing a lot of things, but they're doing things in a reckless way without anybody guiding their path and their steps. Raise your hand if you ever started something and you never finished it, right? I go to the gym. I like working out. I hate the new year. Can't stand January 1 because I go to the gym and everybody's in there. I'm like, okay, so Monday is chest day, so I guess I'll work out chest on Tuesday because everybody will be doing chest. But when I get to the gym and I see all these people, they're like, yeah, it's January 1. I'm ready. I'm ready. They don't even... Wednesday, I already know I can go back to the gym and complete every exercise I want to. Because when I go back in the gym, they're not there. And I'll see someone, I'll be like, hey, man, how's your workout going? Oh, yeah, man, I'm sore, man, I'm sore. How long did you work out? Oh, like 30 minutes today. Okay. I'll see you tomorrow. No, I'm not, I'm not coming tomorrow. We all want to start something, but we don't finish, right? You see people come in, and I'll never forget this dude the other day. Right? I, God bless him. So he's on a machine, and he puts, uh, he's on a bench press machine, and he puts too much weight on the machine. 
And so I'm working out. Luckily, I was there, right? So I'm working out, and all of a sudden, I hear, clunk. And I look over. He's like, can you, can, can you help me? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I go over there, and I help get the bench press off of him. And I say, hey, man, it's not about how much you lift. It's about you getting a good pump and, getting the, and doing the right thing at the right time for, your, for you to be able to grow. And then he was like, yeah. And I was like, bro, you could have just killed yourself, right? I understand his attempt to get big and to be able to lose weight and do things like that. That's fine. But he has to understand that you have to be wise. I get calls all the time. Hey, man, can you come speak here? And I always say, well, let me think it over, and then once I think it over, I'll call you back. I don't make rush decisions. Even when Pastor Mike asked me to speak today, I was like, sure. I had to take some time to think about it, man. So we understand that God, dream for our lives, it never dies. But he just wants us to be wise when we go about living our dream. But here's the catch, and we about to really dig, so I hope you're ready. Number two, but before God takes care of your dream, here's what he wants. God wants to restore you before he restores his dream in your life. And I'm going to stay here for a minute. Whenever I travel and speak, my focus is always inner healing because I see so many people, right, so many people who have been hurt throughout their childhood and throughout their life, and they've never dealt with it, and it's continual to control them. Raise your hand in here right now if you've had somebody tell you what you can't do. Okay. Raise your hand in here if you've had people say negative and nasty things about you. Raise your hand in here if you've ever been, like, physically punched or something before. At my job, it happens every now and then. So, <laughs> right? So, now let's think about it. Which one hurt worse, the punch or the words? Let's, I want to hear a little louder. The punch or the words? Okay. So, we understand that words... They, they kill us, right? And they kill our dream and they kill our vision. So what God has to do first is he has to restore you so that way you understand that not, no matter what anybody says or what they think or what they do to you, it's about what he says and what he wants for your life. Many people live their lives controlled by other people and not controlled by who God is, right? So the world may say, hey, you're an inner city kid, you're desire the way you live your life and the way you grew up, you should have been in prison. But God says, man, I love you, and I think, I'm thankful for me being able to bring you out and bring you into a new place, and guess what? You deserve to bring my word. The difference between God and people is that they don't see the reality, and they don't see you for who you really are. But it's ironically that God sees you for who you are, and we don't listen to him. Right? It, it, it kills me because I was sharing this with Pastor Mike, right? So Jesus is cool, man. I'm just saying. Right? He's like, look, I'm powerful. You see all this healing that I'm doing. You see all the th people are being saved. Like, I'm taking some fish, breaking it up, getting some bread, and everybody eating good. He's like, look at what I'm doing, right? And then all of a sudden, he's like, hold on, but check this out. I got to go. They're going to kill me. They're going to put me on a cross, but uh, just hold on because the Holy Spirit's coming, 
And when he comes, you're going to have power. But I'm always blown away because I want you to understand that when you're first born, you're already born powerful. You're already born with a dream and a vision. But I get blown away because I wonder why is it that Christians seem to have less power when they get saved? Or they seem to have less power when the Holy Spirit comes into their life. Like you should be even more powerful in your life and in your vision and in your dream when God comes in and he reaches and he changes you. Like can you imagine? Like here's the deal. When I get up and I speak to the kids, I know that I'm going to deliver. Nothing about me, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives me the word and the knowledge to speak to them to break the yokes and the chains that are over their life. So I'm not going to go in and approach the stage and be like, well, bless the Lord. Hey, kids, I'm here to speak to you today. No, like when I come on the stage, I'm like, what's up? Let's go. Because the energy and the power that God puts in us to be able to deliver what he wants us to deliver. But he wants to restore. I'll be honest with you. Going through what I did in my childhood, I battled depression. I battled suicide. Right? After seeing the stuff that I seen from people being killed to different things like that, I had PTSD. I didn't understand when I became a Christian that God wanted to save all of me. Can I help you today? You are a spiritual person. You are a physical person. Everybody touch your forehead real quick. Just go like this. Like you're physical, right? You're breathing, you're good. Okay? So you are a spiritual person, a physical person, an emotional person, and then there's a mental side of you. So when God comes to save you, he says, I have to deal with all of that. Right? All of that. Some of y'all are like, man, why you got to go there? Right? Why do you? Because I'm going to go there because this will set you free. So when I became a Christian, all I cared about was my spiritual side. I didn't think about my mental health. I didn't think about my physical health. And I did not think about my emotional health. In order for you to be powerful and live your dream and vision, you have to focus on all of that, right? Because, like, I would go to church and be like, oh, man, worship was good. Yeah. As soon as I get to the store, somebody cut me off in the buggy. I'm like, man, what you do that for? You don't know where you're going, you know? Right? I'm snapping on them. Or I would, get, I would go to church, and then after I get out of church, I would be around people, and I'm not living what I really just felt in church. Because mentally, I can't even stomach the day. Right? So, long story short, as a teenager, I ended up at a, they sent me to a hospital to put me on medication. And when I get there, the psychologist, who was not a Christian, walked in and he said, I don't understand you. I'm like, you know what? I don't understand me either. So, we, we got something in common. Right? So, for five days, he said, I go home, I talk to my wife. I say, I got this kid who I don't know who to work with. Then he comes back and he looks at me and he goes, you know what? He said, you just got to get over it. And I'm like, that's nice for you to say, right? So he says, no, but you don't understand. Like, I've never met someone so gifted and talented and feel the way about themselves the way you do. Can I be honest? I hated myself. But yet I was loving God. How do you hate yourself and love God? It's impossible. Can I tell you today, like, I love me? I, like, I, I love me. And because I love me, now I can love you. 
Why? Because God restored it. Right? So I got two beautiful daughters. Y'all see me come in with them. They're twins, right? So me and my dad didn't have a great relationship. I didn't like him growing up. So we took a trip. We went to Florida, and I got my twins with me, and they see my dad. Now, I don't like him. When I see my dad, it's like we pounding and we dapping, you know? I used to didn't like him. So this moment changed my life. I watched my girls get out of my car, walk up to my dad, and hug him, and they say, hey, granddaddy, and he's loving on them. And you know, God, he's, he plays too much sometimes. He just does. And he looks at me and he says, the same love that your girls have for your dad, that's the love that I want you to have for him. And I was like, crap. And that day, me and my dad had a conversation. And I looked at him, I said, man, I forgive you. Man, and when that peace, hold on, and when that peace fell over my life, it's different. Now me and my dad talk every other day. He talked too much, but we still talk, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just being real. So that's the, but mind you, my mom, I could not stand her, okay? My mom was a drug addict, and she, because of that, she contracted AIDS when I was 12 years old. She died when I was 21. I was at college, right? And I get a call and they say, your mom's real sick, you need to come home. And I said, okay. I did. But here's the deal. A year before that, I was doing an internship with this family. Like, they were Christians, I promise you. They were Christians, right? Dude used to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, read the Bible, and hallelujah, amen, all day. Like, they were the most beautiful family I could have ever stayed with. Like, they healed me when it came to the point of knowing what family was. All right, so I'm outside and I'm with a weed eater. And I hear this little thing inside of me, and it's like, uh, hey, you should go forgive your mom. I was like, I know that ain't God talking to me. <laughs> right? So I, they, I went in there, and I told uh, my host family, I said, hey, I feel like I need to go forgive my mom. He was like, yep, you do. Here's the keys. <laughs> Gives me the keys. I drive an hour and a half. I talk to my mom. I said, hey, I just want to forgive you for everything that we've gone through in our childhood. I said, I know I, I've hated you and I've treated you wrong, but I apologize. God is really working on my heart. I didn't know that a year and a half, after us getting to know each other and build and we begin to talk that she would pass. So um, I'm in college um, where it's a summer camp and we're talking about like healing and I'm talking to the kids about healing in the summer camp and all of a sudden I get that phone call, hey, you need to come home. So I drive home and I get home and for, a year, for four months before my mom passed, I just sat by her bedside and served her. So for somebody I hate, God had to restore my heart and he took me home to to be able to forgive that person. Because I got to let you know this one thing, that even though you got dreams, it's your unforgiveness that stops your dreams from coming to pass. Right? Because when I look at you, I can't look at you through the eyes of everybody that's hurt me. I have to be able to look at you with a pure heart. Forgiveness isn't about them. It's all about you. When you forgive somebody, you let them go and you can move on. Right? Like in kindergarten, I had this girlfriend, okay? I knew she liked me because she shared her grapes with me, all right? But my best friend at the time, she shared grapes with him too, so she was cheating on us, right? I got mad, and when we went to the playground, I kicked him. I didn't like him because he stole my girlfriend. And believe it or not, that little spat turned into something way bigger as we grew up. But he got into some trouble, and he called me, and I said, hey, man, what's up? He said, I just need you to pray with me. I said, I got you. Now we cool. 
healing, forgiveness. In order for you to be able to live your dream, you first have to go through a healing process. All right? So some Christians are very funny when it comes to mental health. They believe that Christians don't struggle with mental health. False. Okay, just want to let you know. So can I be honest? <laughs> I struggle with it. Man, I'm in the best place I've ever been in my life. But guess what? I had to go to therapy. I had to talk to somebody. I had to go to this little old white lady about this tall. And I'm like, girl, you don't even know what I've been through, where I came from. Man, listen, she reads my mail and she eats me up every time I walk in her office. And she's been an agent of change that God has used to get me to where he wanted me to go. But God doesn't want you to live your dream without restoring you because he don't want you to always start a dream and never complete it. He doesn't want you to isolate yourself away from him. He wants to help you grow and you to become a better person. But you have to allow him to restore you. Here's the other thing. God wants you to prote- God wants to protect you from evil, aka the dream killers. Y'all know any negative people? I have this aunt. I wish she was here because I would love to let her be here as I say this. But when I go home, I give her 10 minutes of my time. 10. And I still have to pray after I leave. Like she is very negative. Everything is negative. You got some people in your life right now that don't need to be in your life. And the only way you, only reason why you keep them there, because you feel safe with them. And yet they're killing your dream. Sometimes you have to get to a place to where you let some people go. You know that cousin that always call you that need money every time? But yet your finances are not in order? You know that boss that always nags you and seems to single you out? You know that neighbor that gets mad when you cut your grass at 8 o'clock in the morning? Do you know all the people in your life that you have, there should be a purpose for them being in your life? When I decided to trim my circle, I, I made a lot of people mad. Right? I don't talk to a lot of people. I don't let a lot of people in. Pastor Mike will tell you that. I'm probably, I'll be honest with you, like I am probably one of the toughest people to get to know. But once you get to know me, like I'm, I'm cool with you. Like we good. We can, if y'all like to eat, we get to know each other very well. But, right? But Pastor Mike and I, we go, we eat all the time and we, and we talk. But here's what I learned, that everybody doesn't have my best interests in mind. Not even every Christian. So when I go through my life, I have to understand that if I'm going to live the purpose that God has for me, I have to surround my people that are willing to help me grow. If you look at your life right now and everybody around you is weaker than you, then you're in the wrong circle. Some people like pe- being around people that are weak. Why? Because it makes them feel strong. It's not about feeling strong, but it's about being strong. It's about being strong, right? So I, I, I get amazed all the time because whenever I get invited like, to speak at a church, I think about this moment. Man, Becky, when you guys were singing this morning, and you were singing those words, and I could hear everybody, like, singing them back, 
And I was like, man, that just sounds good. But then I asked myself, do they really believe the words that they're singing? Like, do I come to worship God for a feeling and an emotion? Or do I actually believe the words that are being sung? If you do not allow God to handle your life mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, you remain unbalanced. And so you have to think about it. He has to have every part of your life for you to be able to live your dream and for you to be able to live your purpose. But you got to look out for the dream killers because they're out there. right? You know how many people tell me, man, look, I've been in Peoria for six years and I've been trying to get into the schools. Right? And so now I'm actually, like I just spoke at Central the other day. I'm getting ready to speak at Manual and a couple of the schools are calling me. But I had to push through the doors to get there. I had so many people tell me that I wouldn't be able to get in there. And every time I speak at a school, they say, hey, I need to connect you with this principal because I think this will be where you need to go next. Right? But I got everybody else around me saying, nah, man, like you're not going to be able to get in there. Trust me. And I'm like, man, you don't know the God that I serve. Like you don't know how he moved mountains, man. Like, you don't know what he's doing and how he's changing my life to be able to be in that place. But one of the things that I did is I I got rid of some people that I needed to get out of my life. Don't be afraid to cut the dead weight. Don't be afraid to change your environment. Jesus did it. He didn't say, hey, crowd of 5,000, I want y'all to follow me, and I want everybody to be in my inner circle. He chose 12. And even inside of that 12, he had an inner, inner circle. Because he was smart. He knew that everybody else couldn't handle it. In order for you to go to the next level, you got to chop some people off. But the other thing is you got to also allow some people in that can speak truth to you. Not only does God want to keep you away from the evil people, God wants you to move in power as you live his dream for your life. Let me sum it up this way. The dream that you have, it isn't even about you. It was never about you. But it was about the people that God wants you to reach. Like, if you are a teacher in here, then you teach. But you teach with a power of God as you teach. If you are a speaker in here, when you speak, Nate, when you go to the jails, carry a power of God that breaks the yoke over the people's lives that are locked up. Like, if you are a cashier, then be a powerful cashier. Like, that's what God says, and that's what he wants for your life. He wants you to be able to walk in power. Right now, if your cell phone was to die, y'all would have a fit. Raise your hand if you can have your cell phone dead for 48 hours. Some of y'all lying in church. <laughs> right, right. He said, Pastor Mike said, I'm not even putting mine down. You heard him, right? But that phone, okay? Now, some people use their phone for their business, right? But if your phone dies, you can't, you, you're not having any business. Just imagine right now God just knocked everybody's cell phone out their lives. It'll be some angry people, right? Everybody be walking around like a chicken with it. Oh, my gosh, I don't have my phone. Oh, my gosh, I don't have my phone. Like, I hate my cell phone. I'm the worst at responding back to you. <laughs> Shut up, man. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm the worst. That's why I got good people around me that can do that because I'm just like, 
I'll look at the message and be like, respond in my head, but forget to text it. That's me. So, shut up, man. Pastor Mike's like that. Never, because he responds so fast. But God wants to move in power, man. Listen. Everything that I've ever gone through, everything that I've ever experienced in my life was for a reason. Do you know now that every time I get in front of kids and they say, man, my dad's and my parents are in prison, I say, man, oh, yeah, me too. I felt that before. Man, my mom was a drug addict. Oh, wow, man, I went through that too. Everything that I've ever gone through, God turned around and he made it beautiful. So when I'm into these schools, I can talk to these kids because I understand what it's like to be where they are. I was in 10th grade reading on the third grade level, but went to college and graduated. Now I'm in school doing my master's. Go figure. Right? I was in ESE classes. That means you go to school, you sit in the same classroom all day. I couldn't read or write because of the trauma that I had gone through and experienced in my life. But when I dealt with the trauma, I was able to understand the work. So now I'm, get, I'm working on my master's. So when I go into these schools, I get to tell these kids, man, there's hope for you. There's change. In the same sense, when God gives you a dream, it's to bring hope to the people. Forget the world. Let's talk about Peoria. Peoria needs hope. And if hope is going to happen, he wants relevant to bring hope to Peoria. But it's not Pastor Mike living his dream that's going to help people come through these doors. It's actually you living your dream that's going to help people come through these doors. It's the people that you encounter that's going to bring them in here. Like, we can't expect him to bring everybody in here. If he, he probably would try. That's just him. But he can't. Like, there's people that God wants me to reach that he can't reach. There's people that you can reach that I can't reach. But it's your dream and your purpose that's going to help us to be able to reach them. But before God begins to do all that, the thing that he has to do is he has to work on you first. He has to work on you first. Like one day I woke up, right, and I said this. I've been through enough drama and enough pain in my life to continue to go through drama and pain for the rest of my life. Like Satan, bro, hey, check this out. Like you have to give me something good out of all this stuff that you've given me and all this pain that I've had to experience. So, you know, I make the devil mad every time I go to a school. Do you know I make the devil mad every time I get up to speak? and I use, and I exercise my gift? Why? Because he doesn't want us doing it. When you're home, alone, by yourself, away from everybody else, and those thoughts of you're not good enough, you shouldn't do this, you can't accomplish this, you can't be this, whatever, you're too old now. Man, are you crazy? We need people that are willing to embrace the call. Because, listen, there's a lot of young men, including myself, that need older guys around them, mentoring them and developing them. We need that. Everybody has a place and a part in God's kingdom. But the first thing that he has to do is begin to heal us. Think about this. Imagine your great, greatest pain you've ever felt in your life. And I want you to think about how long has that thing troubled you? How long has it affected you? And how long do you want it to continue to affect you? Like, do you not want God to heal that? That space in your life? 
so that way you can be the person that he's called you to be, so that you can live the life that he calls you to live? Husbands in the building, right? Macho mans in the building. Tough guys in the building. It's okay to be soft sometimes, right? But they taught us that you have to be hard. And maybe your wife wants you to be soft sometimes and just listen and stop talking all the time. It's okay to learn those things and to be great. Ladies in the building, single ladies in the building, it's okay for you to expect somebody to come into your life to be great and not like all the other little whatevers that came into your life. It's okay to expect those things. But what has to happen first is God has to heal so that way when those things come to you, you know. There is power when God begins to change. I want to challenge you. Read the book of Proverbs. Grab the wisdom. Allow God to heal you. Allow him to change you. Allow him to break the yokes and the pains that are over your life. And allow him to use you to be great. Man, look at all this greatness sitting in this room today. Raise your hand if you believe that you've been created to be great. I should see everybody hand up because you tell if you if your hand ain't up right now you telling me God ain't cool. You telling me God when when God made you that you was an accident. So let me try it again. Raise your hand if you believe. Yeah. Right. Not only do I want you to raise your hand if you're in a room today and you say, "Hey, like I believe that I'm powerful, and I believe that God has a plan for me." And I'm willing to allow him to heal me and deliver me so that I could actually walk and live that dream. I want you to stand to your feet real quick. Man, God's good, right? I'm going to pray. Let me pray real quick. God, you're awesome. I mean, you're so awesome. Because when I think about my own life, I think about how you healed me and how you delivered me and how you set me free and how you taught me how to love myself. God, inside of this room right now, there are some dreamers. There are some people that you have put anointing on their lives that are going to break so many yokes, that's going to bring so many families together, that's going to heal so many kids, that's going to change so many lives. But right now, the enemy has been playing with their mind, been playing with their emotions, been playing with their feelings, God, been playing with their spirituality, God. And right now, I'm asking that you will break the cycle, that you will break the yoke, that when they leave this room, that they encounter you in a whole new way. That from this day on, they walk out of here and they're confident in knowing that there's a God that has broke the yokes and the chains over their lives for them to be able to go out and live their dream and live their purpose. And whatever people told them that they can't, today we're hearing you whisper in our ears that you can. Not only are you telling us that we can, you're also telling us that we will. And not only that we will, but we must. Because you've given us a call and a purpose that the world is waiting on. And in order for Peoria to be set free, God, you have to use us. And you want to use us and our giftings to be able to bring that. So, God, right now I'm asking for you to heal. 
I pray that this week that conversations are had with people that they need to forgive. That even if they can't talk to that person no more, that they write it down and throw it away and they never think about it again. I'm praying that you restore relationships with people. God, I am asking that you move in a way that we've never seen you move before. That we, in 2020, get to see you with 2020 vision for who we are. We are your children. And you don't stop caring for us when we become Christians and we get saved. But you care for us all the way through this life, even when we enter the heavens. So move, God. Heal, God. And deliver. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give God praise for that message and that word from my friend Ken. Our worship team is going to come at this point, and we're going to wrap up our time together. I just want to share a couple of thoughts in closing. First thing, the thing that he said that struck a chord with me more than anything else in his message was his second point when he said, God wants to restore you before he restores the dream. You know, restoration is a key to really walking out the call that God has for your life. And I'm going to kind of put Ken out there for just a minute because we spend a lot of time together these days. But it's been my heart drawn towards him for more than four years. And I'd reach out to him and he ain't lying when he said he was awful at responding. Sometimes he just never would. There was actually times, I don't mean to put you on blast like this, but there was actually times when we would set up a time to get together and he wouldn't show up. It's because there has to be a restoration process that takes place in someone's life before they're willing to even sit down and deal with the difficult parts of their lives. And he knew that sitting with me that I was just going to be real with him because that's the way that I am. I do it with grace and with love and gentleness, but I'm real. And I just put it out there. And he knew that, which is why when God started to stir his heart, the first place he, one of the first places he came was here and to me. And to watch him grow and watch God bring restoration. And he only shared a part of what he's gone through. But to watch God bring restoration leads me to believe that he is going to do so many things in his life and his walk with God and his influence it's astronomical what God's going to do. But it's not just for him. It's for you. It's for me. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I've been told that when I came here with the dream of this church and, and, and building a multi-ethnic ministry, I was told all the time, you're wasting your time. Get out of here. Go back where you came from and everything else. And, and, and we've not even, even come close to realizing, I believe, the dream that God has even for this church. But there's two things that I saw. It's near the end of his passage of Scripture that he put up there in, in Proverbs chapter 2. In verse number 20, it says, So follow the steps of the good and stay on the path of the righteous. For only the godly will live in the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be removed from the land, and the treacherous will be uprooted. 
You know, it's an echo of Psalm chapter 37 when the Bible says, Trust in the Lord and do good, then you will, you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. You have to be restored if you ever want to walk out the call and plan that God has. If you ever want to dis discover your story, live your dream. It comes with restoration. And it comes with a, an admittance that you need to be restored. So many people think, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm walking my life and I'm trusting that God blesses it rather than walking with God and knowing he's already blessed it before you've gotten there. There's a huge difference between the two. I see it all the time. I see it in people's lifestyle. I see it in their commitment to their families. I see it in their commitment to their churches. I see it in their commitment to their, their own personal faith and journey. It, it, it's more of a, I'm walking my life and I trust that God blesses it rather than I'm walking my life and knowing that he's blessed it before I've gotten to it.